Part six of Mopsa the Fairy by Jean Ingelow. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Noel Badrian. Chapter eight. A story. In the night she told a story, in the night and all night through, while the moon was in her glory and the branches dropped with dew. Twas my life, she told, and round it rose the years as from a deep. In the world's great heart she found it, cradled like a child asleep. In the night I saw her weaving by the misty moonbeam cold, all the weft her shuttle cleaving with a sacred thread of gold. Ah, she wept me tears of sorrow, lulling tears so mystic sweet. Then she wove my last to-morrow, and her web lay at my feet. Of my life she made the story, I must weep so soon t'was told, but your name did lend it glory, and your love its thread of gold. By this time, as the sun had gone down, and none of the moons had risen, it would have been dark, but that each of the rafts was rigged with a small mast that had a lantern hung to it. By the light of these lanterns Jack saw crowds of little brown faces, and presently many rafts had come up to the boat, which was now swimming very slowly. Every sailor in every raft fastened to the boat's side a silken thread. Then the rafts were rowed to shore, and the sailors jumped out and began to tow the boat along. These crimson threads looked no stronger than the silk that ladies sew with, yet by means of them the small people drew the boat along merrily. There were so many of them that they looked like an army as they marched in the light of the lanterns and torches. Jack thought they were very happy, though the work was hard, for they shouted and sang. The fairy woman looked more beautiful than ever now, and far more stately. She had on a band of precious stones to bind back her hair, and they shone so brightly in the night that her features could be clearly seen. Jack's little favourite was fast asleep, and the other two fairies had flown away. He was beginning to feel rather sleepy himself, when he was roused by the voices of his free lady, who said to him, Jack, there is no one listening now, so I will tell you my story. I am the fairy queen jack opened his eyes very wide but he was so much surprised that he did not say a word one day long long ago said the queen i was discontented with my own happy country i wished to see the world so i set forth with a number of the one foot one fairies and went down the wonderful river thinking to see the world so we sailed down the river till we came to that town which you know of, and there, in the very middle of the stream, stood a tower, a tall tower built upon a rock. Fairies are afraid of nothing but of other fairies, and we did not think this tower was fairy work, so we left our ship and went up the rock and into the tower to see what it was like. But just as we had descended into the dungeon keep, we heard the gurgling of water overhead and down came the tower. It was nothing but water, enchanted into the likeness of stone, 
and we all fell down with it into the very bed of the river. Of course we were not drowned, but there we were obliged to lie, for we have no power out of our own element, and the next day the townspeople came down with a net and dragged the river, picked us all out of the meshes and made us slaves. The one-foot-one fairies got away shortly, but from that day to this, in sorrow and distress, I have had to serve my masters. Luckily, my crown had fallen off in the water, so I was not known to be the queen. But till you came, Jack, I had almost forgotten that I had ever been happy and free, and I had hardly any hope of getting away. No, said the queen, they only went to sleep, and they will not wake till tomorrow morning, when I pass in again. They will think I have been absent for a day, and so will the apple-woman. You must not undeceive them. If you do, they will be very angry. And who is the apple-woman? inquired Jack. But the queen blushed, and pretended not to hear the question, so he repeated, Queen, who is the apple-woman? I've only had her for a very little while, said the queen, evasively. And how long do you think you have been a slave, queen? asked Jack. I don't know, said the queen. I have never been able to make up my mind about that. And now all the moons began to shine, and all the trees lighted themselves up, for almost every leaf had a glowworm or a firefly on it and the water was full of fishes that had shining eyes. And now they were close to the steep mountain side, and Jack looked and saw an opening in it into which the river ran. It was a kind of cave, something like a long, long church with a vaulted roof, only the pavement of it was that magic river, and a narrow towing path ran on either side. As they entered the cave, there was a hollow murmuring sound, and the queen's crown became so bright that it lighted up the whole boat. At the same time, she began to tell Jack a wonderful story, which he liked very much to hear. But every fresh thing she said, he forgot what had gone before, and at last, though he tried very hard to listen, he was obliged to go to sleep. And he slept soundly, and never dreamed of anything till it was morning. He saw such a curious sight when he woke. They had been going through this underground cavern all night, and now they were approaching its opening on the other side. This opening, because they were a good way from it yet, looked like a lovely little round window of blue and yellow and green glass. But as they drew on, he could see far-off mountains, blue sky, and a country all covered with sunshine. He heard singing, too, such as fairies make, and he saw some beautiful people, such as those fairies whom he had brought with him. They were coming along the towing path. They were all lady fairies, but they were not very polite, for as each one came up, she took a silken rope out of a brown sailor's hand and gave him a shove which pushed him into the water. In fact, the water became filled with such swarms of these sailors that the boat could hardly get on. But the poor little brown fellows did not seem to mind this conduct, for they plunged and shook themselves about, scattering a good deal of spray. Then they all suddenly dived, 
and when they came up again they were ducks nothing but brown ducks i assure you with green stripes on their wings and with a great deal of quacking and floundering they all began to swim back again as fast as they could then jack was a good deal vexed and he said to himself if nobody thanks the ducks for towing us i will so he stood up in the boat and shouted thank you ducks we are all very much obliged to you but neither the queen nor these new towers took the least notice and gradually the boat came out of that dim cave and entered fairyland while the river became so narrow that you could hear the song of the towers quite easily those on the right bank sang the first verse and those on the left bank answered drop drop from the leaves of line aloes o honeydew drop from the tree float up through your clear river shallows white lilies beloved of the bee let the people o queen say and bless thee her bounty drops soft as the dew and spotless in honour confess thee as lilies are spotless in hue on the roof stands yon white stalk awaking his feathers flush rosy the while for lo from the blushing east breaking the sun sheds the bloom of his smile let them boast of thy words it is certain we doubt it no more let them say than to-morrow that night's dusky curtain shall roll back its folds for the day master whispered the old hound who was lying at jack's feet well said jack they didn't invent that song themselves said the hound the old apple woman taught it to them the woman whom they love because she can make them cry jack was rather ashamed of the hound's rudeness in saying this but the queen took no notice and now they had reached a little landing-place which ran out a few feet into the river and was strewn thickly with cowslips and violets here the boat stopped and the queen rose and got out jack watched her a whole crowd of one-foot-one fairies came down a garden to meet her and he saw them conduct her to a beautiful tent with golden poles and a silken covering but nobody took the slightest notice of him or of little mopsa or of the hound and after a long silence the hound said well master don't you feel hungry why don't you go with the others and have some breakfast the queen didn't invite me said jack but do you feel as if you couldn't go asked the hound of course not answered jack but perhaps i may not oh yes master replied the hound whatever you can do in fairyland you may do are you sure of that asked jack quite sure master said the hound and i am hungry too well said jack i will go there and take mopsa she shall ride on my shoulder you may follow so he walked up that beautiful garden till he came to the great tent a banquet was going on inside all the one-foot-one fairies sat down the sides of the table and at the top sat the queen on a larger chair and there were two empty chairs one on each side of her jack blushed but the hound was whispering again 
Master, whatever you can do, you may do. He came slowly up the table towards the Queen, who was saying as he drew near, Where is our trusty and well-beloved, the apple-woman? And she took no notice of Jack, so, though he could not help feeling rather red and ashamed, he went and sat in the chair beside her, with Mopsa still on his shoulder. Mopsa laughed for joy when she saw the feast. The Queen said, Oh, Jack! I am so glad to see you, and some of the one-foot-one fairies cried out, What a delightful little creature that is! Can she laugh? Perhaps she can also cry. Jack looked about, but there was no seat for Mopsa, and he was afraid to let her run about on the floor, lest she should be hurt. There was a very large dish standing before the Queen, for though the people were small, the plates and dishes were exactly like those we use, and of the same size. This dish was raised on a foot, and filled with grapes and peaches. Jack wondered at himself for doing it, but he saw no other place for Mopsa, so he took out the fruit, laid it round the dish, and set his own little one-foot-one in the dish. Nobody looked in the least surprised, and there she sat very happily, biting an apple with her small white teeth. Then, as they brought him nothing to eat, Jack helped himself from some of the dishes before him, and found that a fairy breakfast was very nice indeed. In the meantime there was a noise outside, and in stumped an elderly woman. She had very thick boots on, a short gown of red print, an orange cotton handkerchief over her shoulders, and a black silk bonnet. She was exactly the same height as the Queen, for, of course, nobody in Fairyland is allowed to be any bigger than the Queen, so if they are not children when they arrive, they are obliged to shrink. "'How are you, dear?' said the Queen. "'I am as well as can be expected,' answered the Applewoman, sitting down in the empty chair. "'Now then, where's my tea? They're never ready with my cup of tea.' Two attendants immediately brought a cup of tea and set it down before the apple-woman with a plate of bread and butter, and she proceeded to pour it out into the saucer and blow it because it was hot. In so doing, her wondering eyes caught sight of Jack and little Mopsa, and she set down the saucer and looked at them with attention. Now Mopsa, I am sorry to say, was behaving so badly that Jack was quite ashamed of her. First she got out of her dish, took something nice out of the Queen's plate with her fingers, and ate it. And then, as she was going back, she stumbled over a melon, and upset a glass of red wine, which she wiped up with her white frock, after which she got into her dish again. And there she sat smiling, and daubing her pretty face with a piece of buttered muffin. Mopsa, said Jack, you are very naughty. If you behave in this way, I shall never take you out to parties again. Pretty lamb, said the apple-woman, it's just like a child. And then she burst into tears and exclaimed, sobbing, It's many a long day since I've seen a child. Oh dear, oh dearie me! Upon this, to the astonishment of Jack, every one of the guests began to cry and sob too. Oh dear, oh dear, they said to one another, 
we're crying we can cry just as well as men and women isn't it delightful what a luxury it is to cry to be sure they were evidently quite proud of it and when jack looked at the queen for an explanation she only gave him a still little smile but mopsa crept along the table to the apple-woman let her take her and hug her and seemed to like her very much for as she sat on her knee she patted her brown face with a little dimpled hand i should like vastly well to be her nurse said the apple-woman drying her eyes and looking at jack if you'll always wash her and put clean frocks on her you may said jack for just look at her what a figure she is already upon this the apple-woman laughed for joy and again everyone else did the same the fairies can only laugh and cry when they see mortals do so chapter nine after the party stefarto this will prove a brave kingdom to me where i shall have my music for nothing the tempest when breakfast was over the guests got up one after the other without taking the least notice of the queen and the tent began to get so thin and transparent that you could see the trees and the sky through it at last it looked only like a coloured mist with blue and green and yellow stripes and then it was gone and the table and all the things on it began to go in the same way only jack and the apple-woman and mopsa were left sitting on their chairs with the queen between them presently the queen's lips began to move and her eyes looked straight before her as she sat upright in her chair whereupon the apple-woman snatched up mopsa and seizing jack's hand hurried him off exclaiming come away come away she is going to tell one of her stories and if you listen you'll be obliged to go to sleep and sleep nobody knows how long jack did not want to go to sleep he wished to go down to the river again and see what had become of his boat for he had left his cap and several other things in it so he parted from the apple-woman who took mopsa with her and said he would find her again when he wanted her at her apple stall and went down to the boat where he saw that his faithful hound was there before him it was lucky master that i came when i did said the hound for a dozen or so of those one foot one fellows were just shoving it off and you will want it at night to sleep in yes said jack and i can stretch the bit of purple silk to make a canopy overhead a sort of awning for i should not like to sleep in tents or palaces that are inclined to melt away so the hound with his teeth and jack with his hands pulled and pulled at the silk till it was large enough to make a splendid canopy like a tent and it reached down to the water's edge and roofed in all the after part of the boat so now he had a delightful little home of his own and there was no fear of its being blown away for no wind ever blows in fairyland all the trees are quite still no leaf rustles and the flowers lie on the ground exactly where they fall after this jack told the hound to watch his boat and went himself in search of the apple-woman not one fairy was to be seen 
any more than if he had been in his own country and he wandered down the green margin of the river till he saw the apple-woman sitting at a small stall with apples on it and cherries tied to sticks and some dry-looking nuts she had mopsa on her knee and had washed her face and put a beautiful clean white frock on her where are all the fairies gone to asked jack i never take any notice of that common trash and their doings she answered when the queen takes to telling her stories they are generally frightened and go and sit in the tops of the trees but you seem very fond of mopsa said jack and she is one of them you will help me to take care of her won't you till she grows a little older grows said the apple-woman laughing grows why you don't think surely that she will ever be any different from what she is now i thought she would grow up said jack they never change so long as they last answered the apple-woman when once they are one foot one high mopsa said jack come here and i'll measure you mopsa came dancing towards jack and he tried to measure her first with a yard measure that the apple-woman took out of her pocket and then with a stick and then with a bit of string but mopsa would not stand steady and at last it ended in their having a good game of romps together and a race but when he carried her back sitting on his shoulder he was sorry to see that the apple-woman was crying again and he asked her kindly what she did it for it is because she answered i shall never see my own country any more nor any men and women and children excepting such as by a rare chance stray in for a little while as you have done i can go back whenever i please said jack why don't you because i came in of my own good will after i had had fair warning that if i came at all it would end in my staying always besides besides i don't know that i exactly wish to go home again i should be afraid afraid of what asked jack why there's the rain and the cold and not having anything to eat excepting what you earn and yet said the apple-woman i have three boys of my own at home one of them must be nearly a man by this time and the youngest is about as old as you are if i went home i might find one or more of the boys in jail and then how miserable i should be but you are not happy as it is said jack i have seen you cry yes said the apple-woman but now i live here i don't care about anything so much as i used to do may i have a satin gown and a coach i asked when first i came you may have a hundred and fifty satin gowns if you like said the queen and twenty coaches with six cream-coloured horses to each but when i had been here a little time and found i could have everything i wished for and change it as often as i pleased i began not to care for anything and at last i got so sick of all their grand things that i dressed myself in my own clothes that i came in and made up my mind to have a stall and sit at it as i used to do selling apples and i used to say to myself i have but to wish with all my heart to go home and i can go i know that but oh dear oh dear i couldn't wish enough 
for it would come into my head that i should be poor or that my boys would have forgotten me or that my neighbours would look down on me and so i always put off wishing for another day now here is the queen coming sit down on the grass and play with mopsa don't let her see us talking together lest she should think i have been telling you things which you ought not to know jack looked and saw the queen coming slowly towards them with her hands held out before her as if it was dark she felt her way yet her eyes were wide open and she was telling her stories all the time don't you listen to a word she says whispered the apple woman and then in order that jack might not hear what the queen was talking about she began to sing she had no sooner begun than up from the river came swarms of one-foot-one fairies to listen and hundreds of them dropped down from the trees the queen too seemed to attend as they did though she kept murmuring her story all the time and nothing that any of them did appeared to surprise the apple woman she sang as if nobody was taking any notice at all when i sit on market days amid the comers and goers oh full oft i have a vision of the days without alloy and a ship comes up the river with a jolly gang of towers and a pulley holy pulley holy yoy heave hoy there is a busy talk around me all about mine ears it hummeth but the wooden wharves i look on and a dancing heaving boy for it is tide time in the river and she cometh oh she cometh with a pulley holy pulley holy yoy heave hoy when i hear the water washing never golden waves were brighter and i hear the capstan creaking tis a sound that cannot cloy bring her to to ship her lading brig or schooner sloop or lighter with a pulley holy pulley holy yoy heave hoy will ye step aboard my dearest for the high seas lie before us so i sailed adown the river in those days without alloy we are launched but when i wonder shall a sweeter sound float o'er us than yon pulley holy pulley holy yoy heave hoy as the apple-woman left off singing the queen moved away still murmuring the words of her story and jack said does the queen tell stories of what has happened or of what is going to happen why of what is going to happen of course replied the woman anybody could tell the other sort because i heard a little of it observed jack i thought she was talking of me she said so he took the measure and mopsa stood still for once and he found she was only one foot high and she grew a great deal after that yes she can grow that's a fine hearing and a strange hearing said the apple woman and what did she mutter next of how she heard me sobbing replied jack and while you went on about stepping on board the ship she said he was very good to me dear little fellow but fate is the name of my old mother and she reigns here oh she reigns the fatal f is in her name and i cannot take it out ah replied the apple woman 
they all say that and that they are fays and that mortals call their history fable they are always crying out for an alphabet without the fatal f and then she told how she heard mopsa sobbing too said jack sobbing among the reeds and rushes by the riverside there are no reeds and no rushes either here said the apple-woman and i have walked the river from end to end i don't think much of that part of the story but you are sure she said that mopsa was short of her proper height yes and that she would grow but that's nothing in my country we always grow hold your tongue about your country said the apple-woman sharply do you want to make enemies of them all mopsa had been listening to this and now she said i don't love the queen she slapped my arm as she went by and it hurts mopsa showed her little fat arm as she spoke and there was a red place on it that's odd too said the apple woman there's nothing red in a common fairy's veins they have sap in them that's why they can't blush just then the sun went down and mopsa got up on the apple woman's lap and went to sleep and jack being tired went to his boat and lay down under the purple canopy his old hound lying at his feet to keep guard over him the next morning when he woke a pretty voice called to him jack jack and he opened his eyes and saw mopsa the apple woman had dressed her in a clean frock and blue shoes and her hair was so long she was standing on the landing-place close to him oh jack i'm so big she said i grew in the night look at me jack looked yes mopsa had grown indeed she had only just reached to his knee the day before and now her little bright head when he measured her came as high as the second button on his waistcoat but i hope you will not go on growing so fast as this said jack or you will be as tall as my mamma in a week or two much too big for me to play with end of part six